This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. and welcome to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. My name's Adam and I'm an alcoholic. The purpose of this show is to increase public awareness of Alcoholics Anonymous as an effective means of recovery from the disease of alcoholism. Our show has two parts. First, we'll talk a bit about alcoholism, what it is and what AA can do to help. Then we'll interview a recovering alcoholic who is an active member of AA. I'm now going to ask our guest to read the AA preamble, which is said at the start of every AA meeting. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength and hope with each other that they may solve their common problem and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement of membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organisation or institution. Does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thank you so much. So what is alcoholism? Alcoholism is a disease, not a disgrace. There's no shame in having an illness or a disease. An unusual feature of this disease is that it will do whatever it can to convince you that you do not have it. Once it has a hold of you, the progression of symptoms is like the classic disease model and the victim is as helpless as a sufferer of cancer. If you are like an alcoholic like me, you are at the beginning perhaps of a long road that usually ends in one of three places, prisons, institutions or death. If you think this sounds dramatic, we can assure you that our collective experience has shown this to be true. The challenge is to convince the alcoholic to admit that they need help and become willing to seek it. Denial is a major symptom of alcoholism. The alcoholic's often the last one to recognise it and admit that they have it. Our definition of alcoholism is that it is an allergy of the body coupled with an obsession of the mind. The allergy, the physical aspect of the disease, means that after having the first drink, the phenomenon of craving develops and we lose control over when we will stop drinking. The old saying is, one is too many and a thousand is never enough. And yet... Because of the obsession of the mind, the mental aspect of the disease, the alcoholic is compelled to keep picking up the first drink. This makes me powerless. We often hear from sober alcoholics that many doubted whether life could be fun without alcohol. Fortunately, those same people report that their lives have improved dramatically since they became sober. The 12-step program of recovery, which is discussed at meetings and which is outlined in the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book, is how we get sober and maintain our sobriety, one day at a time. This program has a proven track record of helping otherwise hopeless alcoholics to achieve long-term sobriety and recovery. It has taught us how to enjoy life sober. Hi there, for anyone who's just joined us, you're listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show here on Plains FM 96.9. We're just about to interview an AA member who's going to share her experience with alcoholism with us. So let's meet our guest. 
Kia ora guest. Um, how are you? Good to see you. Um, would you like to introduce yourself and give us a quick sketch of who you are? Hello, my name's Tasha. Yes, and I'm guessing you're an alcoholic. Yes, I am. I'm an alcoholic. Fantastic. And um, how old are you, Tasha? 45. And how long have you been without a drink? Uh, 12 years. 12 years, yeah. yeah. Cool. And um, what do you get up to these days? Um, I have my own private practice as a trauma specialist, and I also sing in a popular rock band, and we gig every weekend. And um, are you married? No. Where, where do you come from? So originally it came from, I was born in Christchurch and then moved up to Whangarei yes. in Hamilton. Yes. And then when I was 12, we moved down to Rangira. Mm. And how would you describe your childhood? There was a lot of family violence in my childhood. I was the youngest of six, but the eldest had moved out by the time I grew up. Yep. So I grew up really with my nieces and nephews that my parents parented because there was a lot of alcoholism in the family. So I see. brothers and sisters and so forth. Yeah, Got taken on. So, yeah. so a, big, a big kind of um, uh, extended family. Yeah. But you mentioned violence, so that must have been quite scary. Uh, yeah, it, it was scary. The interesting thing about the the scariness is that I went on to perpetrate the violence because I learnt that violence worked, and that's how I got my own way. Okay. And you also mentioned alcoholism, like people drinking to excess in your in your in your family life. Yeah. So. There was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with the unsafe nights. Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday with the safe nights. So there wasn't a lot of drinking happening three days out of the seven. There was drinking and violence going on 24-7, it felt like. So there wasn't a lot of reprieve? No. And so when did you start drinking? When I was, and how did that progress? So when I was 14, I had my first drink that I could remember. So growing up, you always sort of got to drink the, you know, the, the top of your parents' beer and what have you. Right. But I was, um, when I was 14, I had my first drink and it was vodka and I blacked out. And there wasn't many times when I drank that I blacked out, so... I thought that I was one of the unlucky ones that couldn't handle my alcohol. Right, and so what, did you just have like a very small amount? No, I, I sculled it and friends of us were in the park and that, but I could just couldn't remember. So, and that became the pattern of my drinking very quickly. Oh, so you had regular blackouts? Yeah. Repetitive blackouts, yeah. right, from that first time of yeah. drinking? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So then um, I thought I was just unlucky in drinking, couldn't handle my alcohol I see. and felt a bit ripped off. I oh, okay. Mm. So at that time when you were 14, why, why did you drink? Because I had to babysit and I didn't want to. I wanted to go and hang out with my friends and so we, I just sort of rebelled because I, I was see. 14 so I was starting I to get a bit of autonomy. Yes. So I started my first job when I was 12 years old in a local takeaway bar and I did um, a paper round as well. So I would do things to get out of the house. I'd do things to get out of the house. And so with the babysitting, did you end up babysitting or? 
Did you just avoid that altogether? No, I actually took the child. Oh, I took the child and went drinking. To the park. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes, yeah. And, like, apart from giving you a blackout, um, what did alcohol do for you? Um, very early on, it, um, I, I only got a sort of a small reprieve of feeling great. So Okay, so you felt great yeah, briefly. Yeah, very briefly, but yeah. my blackout started earlier on yeah. than um than others. So when I hear other people's story about, you know, it gave them grandiose sort of feeling and calmness and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I strove for. That was the goal, but my blackouts. You wanted to feel magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. But you went straight through it into actually yeah. not remembering. Yeah. So uh, there must have been some confusion there as well. Very. memory uh, loss. Yeah, quite a lot of anger because I yeah. actually, I felt ripped off. Right. That I wasn't getting what the alcohol was doing for everyone else. Everyone okay. else was like talking about having a great night and we would do all this, get dressed up and gleamed up and mm-hmm. that. And then I wouldn't remember the night and I see. they would. Would you say your drinking was heavy right from the start? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And did you ever do daily drinking? No, no. So, so it, was, it was more binge. Yeah, it was more binge. Mm-hmm. So I worked, yeah, so I went to school and I worked after school and then yeah. I got my pocket money and then the weekends was the drinking. Okay, so you're saving up your money. Yeah. yeah. And did you ever feel that your drinking was a problem? Did you ever try to stop? So when I was um, 19 years old... I was on my first charge of drink driving. Oh, right. And I was a mother, mm-hmm. so my first child at 17, and the judge suggested that I try AA. So I was introduced into the rooms when I was 19. Oh, I was just going to say, did you feel it was a problem? No. Yes, okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. Everyone else had the problem. Okay, Yeah, there was gotcha. no problem with me. Absolutely okay. not. Yeah. Okay, not at 19. No. But you no. were sent to AA. It was kind of court-ordered. Yeah. Because, you'd, because you, you'd, you'd been done for drink driving. And I had a really bad attitude. Yeah, so the judge said, maybe, you need to go to AA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think so. Yeah, so I had the arrogance of an alcoholic. And when I was sober, I had all the traits of an alcoholic. It was great. What are they? Um, just the, the the arrogance, the denial, the stubbornness. The I didn't own any of my own self responsibility. I blamed others. I, I played the victim role quite well. That was court ordered at nineteen. It didn't work. What made you realise that you did need help? Like when when did you actually engage or or stop or really acknowledge that you had an actual problem? Uh, so that was when I was, was twenty three. When you were twenty three, and I was up on severe violence charges and I was looking at going to prison. So you'd definitely been in some trouble with the law Absolutely. more than once. Yeah, because I, I used to black out and I would come to and I'd be in the cells. I would have blood on my hands. Ooh. I'd have these huge charges. I'd been in fights. Like I would fight every time I went out. I actually just went out looking for fights. Right. Um, and when I was 23... I stabbed my partner. I was just going. I was just going insane. Like the insanity of it all was just mm. getting on top of me. I was on um, quite severe charges for other things as well. Right. And so prison was looking at the option. Mm-hmm. And so 
um, I was desperate. And so once again, the judge said to me, what a magnificent mother you are coming in and here all the time. Oh, I didn't like that. I thought, judge was being sarcastic. Yeah, and I thought, how do you speak to me like mm-hmm. that? And he sentenced me to Queen Mary. Which is a rehabilitation yeah. um, treatment centre that was up at Hanmer, isn't it? Yes. It's not around anymore. No, that's right. Queen Mary Hospital. Yeah. I was pregnant with my second child, so I was able to manipulate my way out of there and got to stay home and just do home detention. Um, Okay. Not home detention. What is it called? Um, PD, where you go and make cups of teas. So I'm just, I'm I'm still not hearing that you felt it was a problem. No, I didn't. Yeah. That was at 23. Yeah. When so, did you, when, when? So I tried did, then, yeah. is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. But um, only under duress. Only under duress, but mm. however, I did stop offending. You stopped the violence? Yeah, I stopped okay. the violence and the offending. Okay. I cut back my drinking and I tried right. harm reduction. Right, so went, you tried moderation. Yep, yeah, and I went in and out of the rooms. Uh, that's the rooms, the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, yes. the meeting rooms. Yeah. Okay, um, what made you realise that you really needed help, though? Like, um, describe your rock bottom, because that wasn't it at 23, clearly. Like, because you're still trying to control and enjoy your drinking, weren't you? And you just wanted to make the worst things go away. Yeah, yeah. So the the rock bottom... Yeah was when we were at a, I was 33 years old, so I had... Ten years later. Yeah, and I had three children, and I had grandchildren, and the 33 years old, we had a family gathering. Yep. And I let out some family secrets, and I offended a lot of my family members. Mm-hmm. That's when um, I knew that I had to do something so you, serious. Did you cross quite a lot of boundaries on that night? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did. Which was an okay sort of thing by those family. Yeah. And did you lose relationships, jobs? No. So that so my working, I've always been a good worker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've. That's why. That's why I believe it took me so long to actually admit that I was powerless over alcohol because I manipulated it quite well. Because in my mind, functional alcoholism was okay. Mm. So it took me quite a while. You're still able to to be self-supporting. Yeah. Despite the fact that you'd had um, near-prison sentences for violence, drink driving, various other things. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was yeah. this. It was this um, outing of family secrets that yeah. was a rock bottom for you. And how yeah. did you feel when that happened? Oh, I was. I was so ashamed. I was absolutely distraught. I was really embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. And I okay. went over and made amends yep. straight away. But it took time. And so after that, like, what's your journey to recovery then? Like, so um, I, actually going to Alcoholics Anonymous or? Yeah. So I. Went back into the rooms and um, once again told them I was perilous over alcohol because this was a repetitive pattern. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same people that had been there since I was 19, mm-hmm. I had relationships with them. Yeah. So it was, quite, um, it was quite comfortable for me. 
and I sat there and a woman um, said her um, story and I remember her from my drinking days Mm -hmm. and I was really surprised at how she was and I was like, wow, I want what you have. Okay. Did she look a bit happier? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, she was well. So I hung on to to her story. Yes. Yeah, yeah, her um, story of strength and hope. She, yeah, she was amazing. And so you were treated quite well, even yeah. though you'd been coming in and out I'd of those recovery rooms. always been treated really well. Yep. Yeah, always. So the whole 14 years, intermittent years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how did you feel after that meeting? Did you feel some relief? Did you feel yeah. some connection? Yeah. 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 Every time I would go in and out of the room, though, I would feel good short term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the secret for me was to keep coming back. And one of the... Returning of, to the meetings again and again. Yeah. Yes. So one of the, um, the old timers said, you need to keep coming back. That's where you're failing. It's <laughs> because mm. mm. I go and then... You get, it, you get a bit of a band aid, yeah. band aid on, and and not really treat the the full condition. Yeah, feel a bit better. Okay, I'm fine now. Yeah, yeah. And then I kept going back. You kept going to meetings. How have you managed to stay sober? Because it's been a, it's been a couple of days now for you. Yes. Um, describe the process of your recovery. What have you done oh, to ensure your sobriety? Well, I take Tush. one day at a time. I have a sponsor that I am in communication with. And what's a sponsor? So um, somebody who I'm accountable to. Right. And I talk to her about things. If I'm um, struggling with something, I will um, talk to that person yes. about it. Um, I've, done, I've gone through Is that another recovering debt, alcoholic, is yeah. it? Yeah, yes. another recovering alcoholic that's yep. been, been in the rooms. Um, I first met them when I was 19, yeah. So I've got a long term... Um, relationship with them, yeah. they sort of. I don't. I don't feel like I have to explain who I am mm-hmm. to them because they've seen yep. seen the antisocial behaviour. Mm-hmm. What so, else have you done to stay sober? So what I did to stay sober is I went to anger management and I um, went. Yep. I, um, I sorted out my trauma stuff. Yes, I went in into all the um, yep. the literature. Yeah. Um, I have got done, some healing. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so while so the, the thing with my story that makes it a bit different is I got my undergrad in social work while I was drinking. Yeah. So um, so when I got sober, I went and did my postgrad mm-hmm. and specialised in addiction treatment mm-hmm. and trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that my brain was actually alive and thirsty. Mm-hmm. And I could do things. Mm. I also repaired a lot of my relationships, and that helps me stay sober by being accountable. Mm. And is that yeah. through the action program of Alcoholics Anonymous? Yeah. 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 Like making a searching and fearless moral inventory. Yeah, every day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And then telling yeah. someone, and then taking yeah. action on that. Yeah. And make, so from, making yeah, amends so, if I've if I've if I've erred. Yeah. So living with the twelve step program. And how do you cope with difficulties today? Um, so, the, so how do I? What sort of difficult? You mean conflict? And I just mean any difficulties, just, any like, difficulties, like the stresses that life, the curveballs that life throws. Um, I so I have the serenity prayer, right? Planted in my brain, okay. and sometimes I have to say that 
over and over and over again yes. until um, I become regulated. I see. Yeah, because my anxiety can be um, quite high. Yep. Um, and I, I will, if I need to, I'll contact my sponsor. Yes. Yeah. But I do find that just the serenity prayer is is has been very helpful. Yeah. Sort of a cornerstone. Yeah. An anchor. Yeah. One day at a time. I do a daily do. Which, because I'm really good at avoiding and procrastinating still. What's a daily do? Daily do is the things that I need to do. Oh, like a to-do list, an action plan. Yeah. I see. I call sounds it a very, daily do. I see. And, yeah, it sounds very practical. Tick it off yes. and then give myself a reward I once see. I've done it. I so see. like now, since I have to be an adult. Yep. Because <laughs> you are one. Yeah. I have to pay my own GST and so forth. So mm-hmm. like I make sure that that's done in a timely manner and stuff like that. So, yeah, right. Yeah. So reducing the stress in, in life by taking the actions necessary. Yeah. Um, and how important has service been as a part of your recovery? I will do it when I'm asked to do it, but I see that my um, my what I do for a living mm-hmm. is, part of, is part of my service. Right. So I'm an alcohol and drug clinician mm-hmm. and a trauma specialist. Okay. Yeah. So that's that is my service. How would you describe yourself in the life that you've got today? How, how do you feel within yourself today? I'm a completely different person. Mm. I look different. I feel different, and um, I, I just I find it um, a miracle. Mm. Yeah. That, mm. Yeah. So how do I describe myself? Someone who is living the best life. Living yeah. your best life. I am living my best life. That's that's Small a big change. Case, somebody can have a private practice and also be a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> so your hobbies and interests um, have opened right up. Yeah. Have your relationships with friends, family, and loved ones changed in your Absolutely. sobriety? Yep, I have really good um, relationships with my family. Yeah. Um, in the weekend, my daughter was stranded in town, and I was able to go and pick her up. You know, just those those most simple things that people take for granted. That's great. Yeah. And what are your goals for the future? I just take one day at a time. I I did get into the, like, I had the luxury of going to Mexico for a month every year. Yeah. I haven't been able to do that for a while. So that's that's my goal is to, like, take a month off. Yep. And find somewhere in New Zealand that's okay, in a big they can go and have a peaceful place. That's my goal. Tasha, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. You're welcome. For our listeners, if you've related to anything you've heard or would like some more information about Alcoholics Anonymous, you can look us up on the web at www.aa.org.nz or call us on 0800 AA Works. There are over 60 meetings a week in Canterbury, so it's likely there's one near you. Join us next week to hear from more AA members sharing their experiences. Our show airs every Monday at 5.30pm on Plains FM and repeats on Wednesdays at 12.30pm. You can find podcasts of all our past shows on the Plains FM website at plainsfm.org.nz or you can download and subscribe to podcasts on iTunes and I believe that you can also find the AA Christchurch radio show on Spotify. That brings us to the end of the show. Thank you for listening and remember, if you want to drink, that's your business. But if you want to stop... We can help.
You don't have to do it alone. We will now close the show with a serenity prayer as we do in every AA meeting, which Tasha has described that she uses as well. Please join with me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. You've been listening to the Alcoholics Anonymous radio show on Plains FM 96.9. 